This morning, I want to talk to you about wonder. My original intent this morning was to, uh, to talk about a Christmas message, it being the Christmas season, and, and I tried really hard to do that. I even started off with a Christmassy verse, and then it gets totally non-Christmassy, so I apologize if you're expecting uh, to hear about baby Jesus this morning. But we'll get plenty of baby Jesus Christmas Eve, I promise. You'll be so baby jesus out after Christmas Eve. It's going to be awesome. This morning, I want to talk to you about wonder. So if you'll pull up that first verse for me, it's in Isaiah, um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. It'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince peace. My original intent was to take each one of those words and break them down and, and talk about the different names of God that was prophesied there in Isaiah 9. And I got stuck on the very first one and just could not get off of it. This idea that he is called wonderful. That he is called wonderful. So I want to talk to you about this morning about the name of God, which is wonderful, that he is wonderful. Um, a simple definition of wonderful is to simply be full of wonder, right? So you see what I did there? We just took the word and twisted it around. To be full of wonder is what the word wonderful means. In the Hebrew language, the word is pele, something like pele. And it means this, it means wonderful, it means miracle, something unusual, beyond understanding, incomprehensible, that which is impossible to understand, a positive mystery, God knowledge. That when it talks about the baby Jesus, the child that is going to be born in Isaiah chapter 9, when Isaiah prophesies about Jesus, he says that his name is wonderful, which means that he is incomprehensible beyond human understanding or knowledge, that he is a divine and positive mystery. And what I want to do this morning is I want us to recapture our childlike wonder that I want us to recapture our childlike wonder for the Father and for Jesus. A man named Callistos War. How would you like that name? Callistos War. Sounds like something out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Callistos War, where, however you say his last name. He's an Orthodox minister, really uh, intelligent uh, theologian, and he has this to say about Christianity. It says, it says, it is not the task of Christianity to provide easy answers to every question. That sentence alone should take a weight off of every one of our shoulders. Because it is not our job to provide a solution and an answer to every question that is thrown our way. Because there are some things that there's not answers to, that, or at least we don't understand fully yet. It's not our job to provide easy answers to every question, but to make us progressively aware of a mystery. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as he is the cause of our wonder. Let me say that last line again. I love that last line. God is not so much the object of our knowledge as he is the cause of our wonder. 
And many of us spend our whole lives trying to figure out God. We have Bible studies and we have Sunday morning services. We have our own devotions where we're searching the scriptures and trying to understand God. And that's absolutely fine and okay. But we also cannot lose our sense of amazement and awestruckness of the Father. Because listen, there are literally angels right now in heaven that I've been looking at God for all of eternity. And they're still finding new things about God. That God has been around for all of eternity and he will be for all of eternity, future. And, and a God that big has so many facets and so many things about him that we cannot even begin to comprehend in our finite minds. And while we gain knowledge about God and begin understanding about God, which he does provide and he does reveal to us, we lose our sense of amazement and wonder of our heavenly father. That we have to remain childlike in our approach to him. And we're going to talk about that verse here in a moment. But we have to remain childlike about him, realizing that God is a divine and all-powerful mystery. And we're going to go to heaven and we're going to spend all eternity figuring him out, gazing upon his beauty, discovering new things about him because he is vast and he is incomprehensible and he will ne will never stop finding out new things about our Father God. Amen. He is a divine mystery. And what I want to do this morning and what I want to do this season is recapture our wonder and amazement for God. I don't know about you, but, but it's easy uh, when we come on Sunday morning every week, when we're, we're constantly living this thing of Christianity, it's easy to fall into just the principles and to the everyday life of being a Christian and our allness of God, lose our wonder of God. Lose the, the fascination with the one that we're studying, the one that we're worshiping, because it's easy to fall into that mundane, just living it out every day. And again, I just want to capture the fascination with mighty God. Amen? Matthew 19, verse 14. Many of you recognize this verse. I'm sorry, Matthew 19, verse 14. Let me pull it up here if you're having trouble up there. You got it? Awesome. It says, it says this, Jesus overheard them. Said, the, the, the people he overheard, there was the disciples, because many of you know the, the, there was little kids in the area that wanted to approach Jesus, and the disciples stopped them from doing so. And Jesus overheard them and said, I want the little children to come to me. So never interfere with them when they want to come for heaven's kingdom realm is composed of beloved ones like these. Listen to this truth. No one will enter the kingdom realm of heaven unless he becomes like one of these. I don't know if you felt the impact of that last verse. So let me read it one more time. It says no one will enter the kingdom realm of heaven unless he becomes like one of these. That in order for us to begin to understand and begin to enter into the kingdom realm of God, we have to become childlike. We have to approach God, not as a theologian or a scholar, but approach him as a child in wonder and in amazement before him. I love that verse right there. Uh, 
Just a little bit above it where it says, for heaven's kingdom realm is composed of beloved ones like these. Whatever we've been talking about for the past several months, and especially these past couple weeks. That we are the beloved of God. That we need to begin seeing ourselves as the beloved of God. And what I... What's neat is, uh, I've, I told you, this is, this is from the Passion Translation. And in the footnotes of the Passion Translation, it uses that word there, beloved, instead of wor- the word childlike, which is what most translations continue on there in that verse. And the reason is this, is that in Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus would have been speaking at this point in time, in that language, he added that word there, beloved. So what's cool about it is that that word beloved that we've been and the word childlike can actually be used at, in this context uh, simultaneously. That they can be used interchangeably there. That a ch- being to be childlike, to be beloved is to be childlike. And there, that you can actually use that word interchangeably there. That in order to approach the kingdom of heaven, we have to approach it as the beloved and as the beloved in childlike wonder. That to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to identify ourselves as beloved and approach him in childlike wonder. Amen? So we have to approach Jesus in childlike wonder. I want to show you what childlike wonder looks like. So many of you know, uh, or about a month ago, we uh, took our family on a trip to Disney World, which was a blast. And so at Dis- we're at Disney World, and uh, the first, the first um, park we went to was Magic Kingdom, where most of the princesses are, which was cool. You know, I mean, the girls enjoyed that. Malachi, you know, he still enjoyed it because he gets stuck watching princess movies anyways with two girls in the house and mom as well. And so we met all the princesses at Magic Kingdom, which was awesome. But then the, uh, a couple days later, we went to Hollywood Studios, or MGM, as some people would remember it. And MGM is awesome because they have Star Wars there. And now Star Wars is when things got real for Malachi, okay? So I want to show you this video, and I want you in this video to pay very close attention to Malachi's face, or Malachi's face and, and, and his reaction when he walks into the room. So go, go ahead and play that video. <laughs> Look at that, mouth wide open. You want to go see him, Bailey? Just staring at him. Terrified. That's why you don't see her in the picture there. I don't have any idea why the dude was like seven foot tall or more. He's your favorite, isn't he? 
Oh, yeah. Malachi was absolutely just in wonder of Chewbacca. And like I said, we had seen all the princesses. And, and my favorite part is his face there at the very beginning when he walks in. I wish I could have got a full frontal picture there. It was just kind of a side view. But, you know, the princesses, he'd walk in and it was like, oh, yeah, they're cool. You know, whatever. It's, you know. Uh, Rapunzel or whatever. It's, that's awesome. And so that's kind of what he was expecting was just like a person like that. And then he walked in and saw this seven foot tall, like fully hairy, uh, growling Chewbacca standing right there. Like he just, his mouth just dropped and his eyes got, you know, this big around. And he was just in utter awe of Chewbacca here. Uh, you, sh- you should have seen my face. It was really similar, actually. <laughs> Chewbacca is my hero, so. No, but my question is this. When is the last time we looked at Jesus like Malachi just looked at Chewbacca? When's the last time we entered into worship and just total amazement of who he is and what he does for us? That the creator of heavens and the earth is mindful of us. When was the last time we were just in awe of that thought itself? We have to regain our childlike wonder. We have to regain that sense struck before the Father. God, that, that he is amazing and that he is beyond our comprehension and he is the coolest thing we have ever seen in our lives. We have to begin to approach our Father God like Malachi approached Chewbacca, I know it's, it loses his power when I say Chewbacca, doesn't it? Begin to approach the Father and shout. Have you ever wondered why the disciples kept following I mean, the obvious answer was that they realized he was the Son of God. In fact, I think even uh, Peter says that, you know, that where else would we go? You're, you're the Son of God, you have the words of life. And all that's obviously true. But have you ever wondered what, what was it that kept all the disciples kept even beyond the others that the Bible records that were just following Jesus around that every town he went into a crowd that just began to congregate what was it that drew them all in what was it that kept the disciples going uh and following Jesus it wasn't their accolades they received from the religious elite for following Jesus, right? I mean, it's not like they were getting praises from the Pharisees. Jesus was probably an excellent speaker, but I have a feeling that that wasn't what kept them around because lots of So what was it that kept them around? Let me read a few scriptures to you. So Jesus forgives and heals the paralytic man, the man that, that the, his, the friends had crossed or clawed through the roof and lowered their friend through the roof. And Jesus uh, uh, looked at the man and the man's sin to the man that his sins are forgiven. And then he looks at the man and says, take up your mat and walk. And then it says this in Matthew chapter nine, verse eight. It says, when the crowds witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God because he had given such authority to human beings that the crowds, the eyewitnesses that saw Jesus heal this man were awestruck. Later on in Mark chapter one, Jesus was teaching and a possessed man began shouting out and interrupting 
Jesus, while he was teaching, Jesus looks at the man and begins to cast the demon out. And it says this in Mark chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. It says, the man's body shook violently in spasms and the demons hurled themselves to the floor until it finally came out of him with a dreadful shriek. And the crowd was awestruck and unable to stop saying among themselves, what is this new teaching that comes with such authority? With merely a word, he commands the demon and they come out and obey him. So they were awestruck at the fact Jesus had authority over the demons. Later on in Mark chapter four, Jesus and the disciples are riding across the sea in the boat. And as they're riding across the sea in the boat, Jesus is down in the bottom of the boat taking a nap and a storm begins to rise. And the, it says that the storm began tossing the boat around and the disciples became terrified thinking they were going to die the hall of the boat and they wake Jesus up and in panic asking Jesus what to do. Jesus stands up and he says this. He says, but they were overwhelmed with fear and awe to one another because Jesus to stop, to cease, and they immediately quit. The storm immediately ceased. And it says that, but they were overwhelmed with fear and awe and said to one another, who is this man who has such authority that even the winds and the waves obey him? They were awestruck at the, at the, at the uh, display of Jesus calming the winds and the seas. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus pulls to the shore of a land called the Gerasenes. And this land called the Gerasenes, there's this particular person there who freaks everybody out because he's, he's full of demons. The Bible says he has a legion of demons living within this one man's body. And the man runs around naked in a graveyard, cutting himself and screaming and howling like an animal. The people in the crowd try to put chains man uh, broke the chains because his strength was so strong. It was, it was, it was a terrifying person to be around. The, the region of the Gerasenes, everybody there was terrified of this man. Jesus walks up to the man and casts the demon out. It tells the legion to leave into a, and, and the demons run into a, a group, a herd of pigs, which then go and run off a cliff and commit suicide. That would be a sight to see, wouldn't it? And it says this in Mark chapter 15, when they found Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man sitting there properly clothed and in his right mind, seeing what happened to the man who had the thousands of demons, the people were terrified. Or in another translation, the people were awestruck. They were full of wonder and amazement. Then it says in Mark chapter 9, it says that Jesus takes Peter and John on top of a mountain. Peter, James, and John go to the mountain of transfiguration. On the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus becomes transformed into a, glory, in, into a glorious being. And Moses and Elijah appear and begin talking with Jesus. And this amazing sight that Peter, James, and John, three of Jesus' closest disciples got to witness. And it says this in Mark chapter 9, verse 6, for all the disciples were in total fear and Peter didn't have a clue what to say which was rare if you read your Bible. Peter always knew what to say or had something to say. It says the disciples were in total fear, or again, in other translations, it says awestruck at the sight of Jesus being transformed right before their eyes. In another part of the Bible, in Luke chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus was uh, journeying to a village called Nain. And when he walked into the village, 
village, there was already a crowd there, but this time, surprisingly, the crowd wasn't there for him. The crowd was there because there was a funeral procession going. A young boy had died, and they were carrying the coffin of this dead boy through the street. Funeral procession While this funeral was going on, Jesus spoke the mother of the young boy who was weeping and crying and grieving for the loss of her little boy. And the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on the woman. And that Jesus had compassion on the woman. So he walked up to the coffin. And he reached his hand into the coffin and grabbed the little boy's hand. And he said, rise and walk. Come alive. And immediately the little boy sits up. And it says in Luke chapter 7, a tremendous sense holy mystery swept over the crowd as they witnessed the miracle of resurrection. And they shouted praises to God saying, God himself has visited us to bless his people. A great prophet has, has appeared among us. Why did the disciples keep following Jesus? Why did the disciples keep following him? Why did the crowds show up wherever he was? It's because they were awestruck at this man named Jesus. They were dumbfounded that this prophet just walks up to coffins and puts his hand in there and raises the dead. They wanted to see what in the world is this man of God going to do next? such authority that, that even the, the priests and the prophets can't pass or can't cast this demon out, but he walks authority that at one word from his mouth and the demons leave and the man is made completely healed or made completely well. The disciples and the crowds follow Jesus because they had to know what this man was going to do next. They walked in holy wonder and childlike amazement watching Jesus's every move. They had childlike wonder at this man named Jesus. What was he going to do? How does he do this? Who is this man that walks in this authority? He's this divine mystery that I have to be able to unbox, that I have to begin to search out and to seek and to figure out. Who is this man of mystery? Who is this man who walks in this authority? The disciples follow Jesus because they were in childhood. They were awestruck at this man named Jesus. And here's my question to us this morning. And here's where it's going to get a little challenging. How is it that we are the sons of the most fascinating being in history, yet we get bored during worship? He's the most fascinating being to live. He's, he's been alive for eternity and he'll be alive for all of eternity future. His, his personality is endless. Yet when we're in the middle of worship honoring him, we get bored and want to move on with the next song. How is it that we spend five minutes in devotion with our Father God who is called wonderful in Isaiah chapter 9, full of wonder and mystery. How is it that we spend five minutes in the secret place with God, the God of wonders and have nothing to talk about? Whew. 
How do we get bored in the secret place? Whereas we've talked about earlier in Matthew 6, 6, we find that's where he is in the secret place. Yet we get bored and we avoid it because we have better things to do. But the God of wonder is in the secret place. And we find ourselves trying to figure out what, what in the world do we talk about? What we end up talking about is ourselves, right? We go to him with all of our issues and all of our problems and, and the, all of our woe is me, which, which is fine. God wants to hear all of that. We, he wants us to bring everything to him. But, but then we, when we run out of things to we run out of things to complain about. We get bored in the secret place because we stop sensing, or we, we've stopped being fascinated with this God of wonder. We stop approaching him with childlike wonder and, and not, not just bringing our own issues to him, but, but when we stop bringing our, our sense of awestruckness and trying to figure out who he is and asking questions of, God, how did you do this? God, I want to see how you did this. Or God, move this way. And we, we lose our sense of wonder in the secret place. And because of that, we're getting bored in the secret place. We're getting bored in church, being amongst our other believers. We're getting bored in worship because we've lost our sense of wonder and amazement of our God. We have to recapture our childlike wonder. Stop approaching him as a man seeking knowledge. Stop approaching him just to figure out the whys and the questions of life. Start approaching him in childlike wonder, just wanting to be with him because you're fascinated with him. And out of that, out of that I believe that knowledge will he will share with us the, about the issues of life, but stop approaching him just for those reasons. And I'm guilty as much as anybody else because we get so obsessed and so, so inward focused with ourselves that we forget who it is that we're talking to. And it becomes about ourselves when, I don't know about you, but he's way more fascinating than I am. I know some of you are pretty awesome, but I don't think your God of wonders awesome right? I don't think your creator of the heavens and earth awesome. We have to approach God in childlike wonder. I, I asked these questions here in my worship was childlike abandonment. What if we stopped caring about what everybody else thought about us? You know, we do a lot of dancing in my house. We put on the, the music, Spotify, and I, I have millions of videos of that. I should have threw one of those on there because it gets crazy in my house with dancing. My kids, if you don't know my kids, they uh, don't really have a problem with being shy. And so they, they just go completely wild. You put Frozen on and it's over. You know what I mean? You put Let It Go on and it's over. And they're just completely abandoned to the cares of anybody's opinion. They don't, they don't care what mom and dad think. They don't care what anybody else Because they are completely lost in their joy and, and their wonder of being childlike. They are totally uninhibited. I love that word when we talk about this. They are totally uninhibited by anything else. What if we approached worship and our Father with the same childlikeness as my kids do when they dance. What if we approached worship totally unhibited by other people's opinions of us and totally focused and fascinated with the God of wonders? I promise you our worship would one, be looked totally different and we'd be totally free.
the freedom that we would experience by being uninhibited by everybody else's opinions would absolutely blow your mind. What if we approached worship in wonder and instead of it being just a pre service? How much more exciting would our devotion be about encountering the God of than the dusty God of religion. This makes me think of, of the Apostle Paul in the Bible. The Apostle Paul was probably the most brilliant person that's ever recorded in the Bible. He was absolutely brilliant. Knew several languages, knew the Torah inside and out, was absolutely brilliant. Spent his entire life studying and gaining knowledge of the Bible, gaining knowledge of the Word, gaining knowledge of God. And later on in his epistles, he says, I count it all as rubbish. I count it all as, as nothing compared to knowing this God of wonder. What if we approached our devotion not to gain knowledge, not to fulfill our quota, but what if we approached devotion in awe? Father, where we walk into that secret place and, and just ask God, God, reveal more of yourself to me. Reveal more of your personality to me. God, explain this holiness thing to me. How is it that you are holy, completely set apart? A word that, that even today that the English translation has a hard time translating because it's such a mysterious word, yet the Bible calls our God the holy of holies. God, begin to explain that to me. How does that work? What if we approach devotion and childlike wonder before God instead of dusty religion and dusty knowledge and trying to gain just understanding and not understand the God of heavens and earth? What if our evangelism, this, is, this one's powerful. This one hit me when, when, I, when the Lord spoke this to me. What would our evangelism look like if it was about introducing people to the God of wonder rather than just getting people to stop sinning. I think we spend a lot of our time in evangelism and talking to people because we want to see them stop smoking or stop cussing or stop living with your boyfriend or girlfriend. What if we approached evangelism instead of trying to get them to stop doing the bad stuff and we started introducing them to a God of wonder, a God who is beyond understanding, a God who is so fascinating that there couldn't be enough pages in the Bible to record the good works that he did. I heard it, uh, a minister say once before, he said, we have to stop, or he said it this way, we can't, let me think of how he said it. He talked about, this is what it was, he talked about within schools, how in school they, they show images of STDs and they show images of, 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 you know, diseases like that to try to prevent students from having premarital sex. What if instead, and, and what he was saying was we do the same thing with, with the gospel, is that we, we try to show them the bad effects of sin, that you'll go to hell if you have sin, that you'll lead a life of, of, of if you lead a life of immorality, then your life won't be fulfilling. What if we stopped focusing on the negative aspects of sin and we started showing them something that is 100,000 times better than that sin? That we have to stop trying to convince people that God is better or that, that sin is bad and start convincing people that God is good. Amen. That if they see that God is good, they're not going to have anything to do with that sin because that sin keeps them away from the God who is good. Amen. And so what if we approached evangelism not in order to get people to stop 
stop sinning, but we started evangelism and wanting to show these people this God of wonder that we discovered. Amen? People are interested in stopping their sin. If you haven't noticed, they enjoy it. They're not thinking about quitting. I don't know about you. Have any of you ever sinned? We don't do it because, you know, it's boring. We do it because it's kind of fun, right? We enjoy it. So so they're not going to quit sinning because we ask them to stop sinning. If you haven't noticed, people think it's fun. Sin is fun. If we want them to stop sinning, we need to show them something funner. If we want them to quit living in sin, we have to show them something better than the sin. And it's not dry religion. Dry Bible studies, although Bible studies are awesome. I hope you all understand my heart when I'm saying all of this. I'm talking about, when I'm talking about not just Bible study, I'm talking about Bible study without the wonder. I'm talking about Bible study without the sense of being awestruck before a God who is so fascinating. We have to show them something better if we want them to stop sinning. What if, once again, what if our evangelism about, it looked like introducing people to the God of wonder rather than getting people to stop sinning? What I want to say this morning is this. We must regain our childlike wonder and become fascinated with the incomprehensible God that even the angels are still discovering. We have to regain our childlike wonder. And then I wrote this last note here. I'll just go ahead and say it. I wasn't planning on it, but I will. This thing should be fun. Or what I said, actually, I'll just say it. This thing should be flipping a blast. We should be having the most fun of anybody on the face of the planet. Because we are serving a God who is beyond our comprehension, who still likes to give us revelation of who he is. You know, I love in the, in the Gospels where it says, uh, when, when it, they ask Jesus, why is it that you talk in mystery? Why is it that you talk in parables? And he says, it's because it is for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. That we have the opportunity to experience the mysteries of the kingdom. For God to whisper in our ear the things that are incomprehensible for the fine mind to understand. This thing should be a flipping blast. Amen? It should be awesome. We should be having the best time on the, of anybody else in this world. And it's all because of our awestruck wonder before God. We got to regain our sense of wonder. And my prayer is in this season, we would regain our sense of wonder before the Lord. I feel like how we, Paul, if you would come up. Uh, it's pretty cool when the Lord this, but during the song, uh, or during the worship time, we sang uh, an old song, uh, whatever it's called. What's, no, the other one, that's not as old. Yeah, Revelation song. (laughs) And we sang that verse, and and that verse was absolutely perfect for what we talked about today. And I feel like the way we're supposed to end this service this morning is for all of us to stand, and we're gonna do this song one more time. And the singers, if you want to go ahead and come up as well, and, and Elizabeth, and we'll just go for the full, full thing here. And what I want to do to end this service tonight, or this morning, 
is I want us to regain our childlike wonder and worship. I want, I want the Lord to begin to reignite that flame of wonder inside of us. And, and this, this season is absolutely perfect for it, this Christmas season, which is already full of wonder anyway. So I, 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 let me just pray over you this morning and, uh, and, and go ahead and just get yourself in a posture of just receiving. So if you want to just raise your hands there with me or, or if you want to bow or wh whatever you want to do, just get in a posture of receiving. And I'm, I'm just believing that the Lord is going to reinstate our sense of wonder, that what has been mundane and what has been just uh, casual would become just full of life again, it would be full of wonder again and, and of amazement, that we would be excited again to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that we would have just a blast doing this thing, that it wouldn't be work, but that it would be total enjoyment and, and just total fun. So Father, I just pray right now, God, that you would restore our sense of wonder. God, you would restore our sense of amazement. God, that we would stand before you every day, every moment in complete awe and wonder of who you are, Jesus. God, you are fascinating. You are beyond our comprehension, that you are amazing, Lord. God, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are everlasting to everlasting. You are holy, which means you are set apart. You are completely different than anything we could ever know or have ever known on this world. God, you are fascinating. God, restore our sense of fascination with you this morning, Jesus. God, even now, Lord, let a fire begin to burn inside of each and every one of us that we would become inhibited by anything else, Father, that there'd be nothing that would be able to hold us back from pursuing you with all of our might. Lord, I love how the word says that when we seek, we find. When we ask, we are answered. And when, the, when we knock, the door is open. So, Father, we set our hearts to seek the God of wonder this morning. God, and I thank you that your word promises that when we seek, we find. So, Lord, we just declare right now and we set ourselves to seek you with all of our hearts, Lord. God, restore to us childlike wonder. Restore to us childlike